my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We always talk about the way the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And today, we are going to look at where the economic world is moving into. This continues to further the discussions that we've had, showing what the natural constraints of the central bankers and politicians are, so we know what moves are coming. And so we're going to break that down. So like I said, most people have been watching the doom, the doom and the gloom, the, the, the doom scroll if you will, across you know YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, et cetera. And unfortunately, the doom and gloom sells, which is why people continue to do it. I have found myself in this trap, although for the last year or so, I've been trying to be much more optimistic. I always was, but I was still using some doom to sort of bring people in. However, I've been trying to change that. And a lot of people aren't. And we're seeing that the reason why is uh, we, we kind of know this. We see social media post things for engagement. Rage gets more engagement. Rage, fear, those get more engagement. It starts to divide us. Mainstream media, they show us all the doom and gloom. And unfortunately, like I said, that's what sells. And while most people are so worried about they're watching every video on, you know, the, the, the debt of the United States and the bond market's going to implode and the yield curve is going to reinvert and it's going to mean recession, 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 recession. What does that mean? Everyone's afraid of a recession, but why? Well, I mean, technically a recession would be that growth is slowing. So that means businesses aren't doing as good. You're not making as much money and ultimately your quality of life would go down. Okay. That, that sounds pretty bad. And it is. 
However, we also then the other side of a recession, we have what's called the markets. So we have the economy and we have the markets. Now, those things used to be the same. You see, in the economy, when businesses, when when you and I, the people did good, then the businesses did good. When the businesses did good, did good then the markets did good because we would buy those businesses through publicly traded stocks and equities. And when those businesses did good, meaning their revenues went up, their profits went up, then their stock would go up. And so then we were all in this together. We made more money, which means we spent more money, which means the business did better, so the economy did better, which then meant the markets did better. But that's no longer the case. As a matter of fact, I, I've been, uh, most economists uh, talk about sort of uh, pre-COVID era. I don't, I don't, uh, may, maybe we can call it BC before COVID. Uh, and, and really the world changed in 2008 and specifically the markets and the economy changed, specifically the way that um, the governments and central banks work in the markets changed. This is something I've talked about quite extensively. Um, really, the way central banks and the governments changed the way they interact the markets happened in 2008. And since then, it's only continued to accelerate and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we've seen it, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole timeline and history of this, but 2020, I mean, it was just put into steroids, it was put into overdrive. And so now we sort of have to, when we're looking at economic data, financial data, we have to sort of look at like pre-COVID era. And so we'll talk about a little bit of that. We also have to look at like 2008 era. But what I was going to say is in the 2020 era, what we saw maybe for the first time, or really it became obvious to everybody for the first time, was that the economy and the market split. They were no longer equal to each other anymore like they did in the past. So what we saw is that literally, literally all, you know, not all, but a majority of businesses, the economy was shut down like a light switch turn the lights off, turn the economy off, not just in the United States, but most of the world, pretty much the whole world at the same time. So the economy was shut down. We saw countless people lose their jobs. We saw countless millions of businesses literally shut down. Businesses that have been around for multiple decades, multiple generations were shut down permanently for good. A lot of them never made it. You know, here in uh, Southern California, up in like Hollywood, you have all these iconic restaurants that have been around for decades. You know, served um, served served famous served famous famous athletes from way 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 back, and they're just gone now. Landmarks are gone, right? And so we saw literally the economy shut off, but then the markets, meaning the stock markets and things like that, made crazy new all time highs. So how does that work? How can we have a recession and yet we have a boom in the markets at the same time? Well, that's the world that we live in. And so it's important to understand that. So when everyone's afraid of a recession, we have to understand what are we afraid of? You see, this is a question that I get asked a lot. Mark, what are we going to do to protect ourselves from inflation or from a recession or from central bank digital currencies or from attacks on our privacy, things like that? What if, what if the electricity goes out? All these different things. And what I always typically always typically typically always reply back with is what is the attack vector you're trying to protect against so for example if i think that if i'm worried about a recession okay then what is it that i'm afraid of the recession for while well, i'm afraid that my job might get uh taken out okay well if you're in a if you're in a job you work for a business that's highly dependent on the let's say on, on an economy that would be highly influenced by a recession, that could be a problem. But I could have a job that's not recession 
I guess that that is recession proof. So let me give you an example. If I was in a business that um, was uh, only catered to tourists, for example, it was all tourism based. Well, in a bad recession, tourism might slow down. And so my business might be impacted by that. I might lose my job or if I have a business in that sector, I might suffer. However, I have a buddy who has a business where he does uh, like flood and fire restoration. So if your house floods or your house gets a fire, he works for the insurance companies and he will go fix your house. That business is recession proof. It doesn't matter where the recession's at. If you have a fire or flood at your house, the insurance is going to pay for it. And so you have to kind of think about what am I trying to protect against? Some people think, well, a recession is just bad for the market. So like if we have a recession, then my retirement accounts are going to get cut in half. My value of my home is going to get cut in half. And that's where we want to talk about today, because is that necessarily the case? Let's just take a look at some of the data. So what we saw this week, officially, Japan, the, the Japanese economy officially shrinks unexpectedly in the final quarter of 2023. Their gross domestic product, their GDP was down 0.1%. Very dramatic. I know. I know. Very dramatic. But it's down. And it's technical, right? So we have to want to, we want to understand this. Japan dropped a rank in the global standings and went to become the fourth largest economy now after the week end of 2023. And it was weaker than what most economists had projected it. So these economists are always trying to project where things are going because markets are forward looking. And so what we see is that the economists had forecasted uh, 0.2 growth, but then the economy actually contracted. So it was much worse than what they had thought. Now, 0.1 doesn't sound like a lot, but technically now, the, the Japanese economy is in a recession and because it's now contracted for two consecutive quarters. Now, if you remember, the Biden administration changed the, uh, the definition of that. So technically two quarters in uh, two, two uh, contracting quarters, consecutive quarters don't mean a recession in the United States anymore. But in this case, um, they're declaring Jap Japan to technically be in a recession. Now, the data is preliminary and the drop is small enough I mean, 0 0.1, it's small enough to leave room for doubt. So what does that mean? It means it's preliminary. It means they're still going to retally the numbers. And the margin is so small, we might be able to just find a little bit of extra, you know, economic activity over here in the corner and bring it in. And then when we revise the um, estimates that are going to come in next month, I mean, maybe it could paint a different picture. So that's where we're at. Okay. So technically, as of today, we've slipped. Uh, it could be revised and we'll be out, but does it really matter? Whether Japan is in a recession right now could be debatable, right? Like I said, the, the information is still going to get revised. Um, and what's interesting about this is though, even though the GDP contracted for a second straight quarter, when we look at other data, such as business surveys, it tells us a completely different story. And this is why you can't rely on any one indicator. You have to look at lots of different things. So when we look at some of the business data, some of the business surveys, and we look at the labor market, it, it looks like something different. So for example, if you look at Japan's unemployment, and don't worry, it's not all about Japan, we're going to talk about EU, uh, we're going to talk about the, um, we're going to talk about the, uh, the EU, we're talking about England, and we're gonna talk about the United States, so we're gonna get through all these, but we're talking about Japan for a second here. But I got to take a very quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, we're talking about uh, recession, and markets, and booms and busts and so much more. You don't want to miss what's coming up next. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how the United States and other major nations and major economies around the world are technically falling into recession. But is it as bad as what people think it is? And so we're looking at that. We're talking about Japan right now. We'll get to the EU. Uh, we'll get to uh, Britain. We'll get to the US. Uh, but right now, we're just talking about Japan. And so what I was saying is technically, we're in a recession very, very small, 0.1% of, of contraction in that. However, the data is still going to be revised and be released next month. And so it could change. But the point that I was making is though, even though that number came out, some of the other data is, con is, is contradictory of that. And so for example, business surveys of the labor market are telling a different story. We can see in the unemployment, which fell to an 11 month low in December which is pretty interesting. So typically you think of a recession, like, oh my gosh, growth slows down, I'm probably gonna lose my job. But in this case, unemployment actually has continued to, to fall lower and lower and lower, which showed that business conditions across all industries and firm sizes were the strongest they've been since 2018. It's pretty interesting. So GDP slowing down, although the job market's the strongest it's been since 2018. Now we're gonna talk about why that is in a minute. But let's just keep going. We can see that many economists expect Bank of Japan to now end its policy of negative short-term interest rates. They had wanted them to. The Japan, uh, J the B 
BOJ, Bank of Japan, kept saying they were going to, but how can they now? And we'll talk about why this is important, but um, how can with th- with these GDP numbers of contracting growth, how could the BOJ think about ending negative interest rates or going to a tightening cycle? And the answer is they probably can't. So this leads into where we're going, but let me just hit on a couple more points here about Japan. Like I said, it lost its uh, spot from the third biggest co- economy to go into the fourth, and and now is in this technical recession. Um, and so what comes next? And again, understanding some of the constraints, we'll talk about that, but let's jump over to the um, European continent for a minute. And what we can see over in Europe is sort of the same thing. The, the whole Euro area, for the most part, the EU, uh, shows that the economy is now losing momentum and they're starting to downgrade or slash their outlooks. So we saw in the EU, we saw the, the GDP, gross domestic product, um, was um, expanded, uh, expanded, uh, 0.8%. That's the outlook. But they had projected 1.2% in prior in a prior prediction. And again, when you look at, you know, public financials, when you look at governments, they try to project out what the growth of our revenue profits will be. The problem is when businesses, companies and governments miss those projections. And so downgrading that is pretty bad and going from 1.2, which is bad growth to 0.8 is like almost no growth. So it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Now, on the bright side, they say that inflation has slowed down to 2.7% this year, which is basically matching the European Central Bank's estimate. So that's good. So apparently they're getting it under control. But what we can see is that this is through the EU, but in the UK, they are also suffering from the same thing. As a matter of fact, um, they're dealing with with the recession now as well. We can see the UK recession deals a fresh blow to Sunak's economic promises. And so what does that mean? So again, we talk about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. And Finance should not be technical. I'm sorry. <laughs> finance should not be political, uh, but yet it is. And so that's what we're talking about here. We can see that GDP fell 0.3% in the fourth quarter of last year. Again, um, they had projected a 0.1% drop. So again, it was worse than they had expected. Now, we can see that this is affecting their prime minister, uh, Rishi Sunak, who so far has failed to meet his pledge to grow the economy. And so this is the big key. In order for politicians to stay in power, one, they have to promise more things. So each politician is incentivized to offer you more free things. That's why Biden is trying to slash student debt, right? We have to continue to give more and more stuff. We have to buy the votes, if you will. And so Prime Minister Rishi Sunak came in with a whole bunch of promises. I'm going to list them here in a second, um, one of which was to grow the economy. And in the United States, it's also as important. We'll come to the U.S., but no incumbent president or maybe only one Uh, meaning a returning president, has won in a time of recession. The economy has to be growing. Rishi Sunak pledged that he would grow the economy, but yet gross domestic product is falling. Um, And it's falling faster than what the economists had predicted. Um, It says that while the economy still grew 0.1% across the entire year as a whole, it's the slowest annual expansion the UK has seen since 2009. So, that's pretty bad. Now, if, if you think about that, that's 2008, 2009 was the great financial crash. So after the worst crash in history, we had a rebound. That typically happens. But since then, we've been in this uptrend for the last decade, 12 years, 14 years, and it's the worst that it's been since that time. It's pretty bad. 
Now we can see that this is a, like I said, it was anticipated, but it's giving the Bank of England the same problem that the Bank of Japan is having, which is actually the same problem that the U.S. central banks, the Federal Reserve is having as well, which is what, how, what can they do to fight inflation when at the same time they're fighting recession? You see, the recession needs stimulation. The recession needs easy monetary policy to try to get the economy out of the recession. If we can make money cheaper, then people will buy more of it. We'll take on more house, car, boat loans. We'll expand our businesses. We'll go remodel our house, fix our yard up. We'll spend more money. And that stimulation in the market will bring us out. Hopefully, this is the goal is to bring us out of recession. The problem is, is then it restokes inflation. And so on one hand, they're fighting the inflation, but they're over tightening, which is then causing the recession. It's the rock and the hard place. We've been talking about this for a long time. Now, Rishi Sunak made, uh, again, like I said, made growing the economy one of five key pledges after he took office back in October of 2022. The other ones were cutting the debt, having inflation, uh, reducing health services, waiting lists, and stopping boat migration across the English Channel. So far, out of all those pledges, those promises, elect me and I'll get these things done, so out of all of those, the only thing he's been able to do is been able to slow down price growth. Now, I say he's been able to do, uh, he's certainly not responsible for that. A lot of it is uh, returning to the mean. So again, we had this uh, COVID era, this this massive, I call it like a sugar rush, all this money dumped in the economy that created all these distortions and a lot of it's coming back to normal. So I'm certainly not going to give him credit for that. But to his credit, he'll certainly claim it. The one thing out of all of those things is inflation has started to come back down. But migrants, that's not that's not better. Uh, health services waiting list that hasn't gotten better. Uh, the debt certainly hasn't gotten any less. That's that's laughable. Um, and so none of these things have worked. So what do they do? Well, we need to kind of dig in a little bit because there's a lot of nuance here. Like I said, one, we want to understand what are the constraints. So we know that this puts a lot of pressure on the central bank. The, the bank now has to start cutting rates faster and, and deeper than they had wanted to. Because again, they're trying to keep inflation at bay. And just like all central banks, Japan wanted to start tightening. They can't do that now. The Fed's trying, the Fed in the US is trying to delay their pivot, but they're being forced into it sooner. In the UK, same thing. They're being forced into faster rate cuts at a faster rate psyching high goal than they had wanted to. Now, this is uh, the Europe, European, this is the EU, this is uh, the UK, this is Japan. And now we'll talk about the United States because retail sales are plunging in January, the worst year over year growth since the COVID lockdown. But this is only about the economy. What about the markets? I'll cover that in a minute when I come back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about recession and markets. Don't go away. We'll be back with more in a minute. Be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the whole world going into a recession right now. And does it matter? And if so, what should we do about it? So we're talking about, we talked about Japan going into recession technically. Potentially could be revised out, but technically it is. Uh, the EU and then the, the UK. And now we'll talk about the US. But the story is the same. All governments and central banks have been fighting inflation, which inflation was caused by printing too much money, creating too much money through um, increasing the monetary base and credit expansion. The problem is they created too much inflation by expanding that. And they're trying to bring inflation back under control because people get restless. When you can't afford to feed your family and you can't afford the same quality of life that you've been living, you're unhappy. And when people become unhappy, then governments don't last very long. So they want to bring inflation back down. But at the same time, by trying to bring inflation back down, they have to do the opposite. They have to contract the money supply. But when they contract the money supply, then the entire economy starts to contract. Growth slows down or goes negative is what exactly what we're seeing. And then if people lose their jobs, then they're even more unhappy. So what do we do? Damned if we do, damned if we don't, right? We either continue to print the money that we need for all of our endless um, you know, programs that we want to continue to fund and stimulate the economy and face inflation, or we try to bring things back under control and then we, we crash the economy. Though, though, those are the two choices. Now, what we can see in the United States is retail sales plunged in January, like I said, worst year-over-year growth since the COVID lockdown, which is pretty bad. Um, We saw that they unexpectedly surged in November and December, driven in a large part by a jump in the food services. Uh, Headline retail sales in January expected to decline by just 0.2%, but it was worse. It ended up being uh, 0.6%. So again... Uh, worse than expectations. This is the worst monthly decline since March of 2023 and the worst year-over-year rise since May of 2020. So this is a big problem. We have the same issues going on in the United States. Um, The retail sales are plunging. Now, we're not technically in a recession like we have over in Japan and we have in the EU and we have in the UK. Technically, the US is not, but it's slowing. It's slowing. Now, technically, to be in a recession, it'd be two negative quarters. We're not at that point yet, but it's the trend. It's the direction that we're trying to pay attention to. Uh, We can see that motor vehicles and parts and building materials saw the largest decline month month over month. On a year-over-year basis, gas stations, building materials were the biggest drag, while online retailers and food services were the biggest upside drivers of this. We also saw core retail sales declined 
um, 0.5% month over month, which dragged the year-over-year -year levels down to the lowest level since the COVID lockdowns again. So we can see that this is starting to be a big problem. Basically, if we sum this up, Americans just aren't buying as much stuff as they used to. That's basically what this means. And so are we getting to that recession? Will we get to a recession? We don't know. How do we fight that? But we already know the constraints that we're in. I believe, and I, I say this all the time, I believe that when push comes to shove, when you're forced to choose when the central banks, the BOJ, the ECB, the Fed, when they're forced to choose between one of two choices, and this is what people don't understand, they're, they're, they have to choose one or the other. They're trying to go right down the middle, but unfortunately, one or the other prevails. And the two choices, as I already laid them out, are one, we continue easing the monetary cycle so we don't crash the entire economy, people don't lose their jobs, business don't go under, and we can continue to fund all these wars and all these social programs and all these other programs so we ease. The problem if we do that is we have high inflation. On the other side is we want to bring inflation down because people get unhappy when they can't afford their quality of life, but the problem is that then we crash the economy. And I believe when faced between those two choices, they will choose inflation every time. And the reason why is I think inflation is more incremental. I would rather see my assets going higher. I would rather see my Bitcoin going up, which, by the way, that's shooting to the moon right now. I love it. Uh, I'd rather see my value of my home go up. I'd rather see the value of my stocks, my retirement account going up. And if the prices of all my assets were going up and my pay is going up, I can stomach the higher prices I have to pay at the gas pump and the airline tickets and my food and all those things. However, if I lose my job, I lose my business and I lose all my income, I'm very unhappy. So I think most people would be okay paying a little bit higher prices, but seeing the value of all their things go up than to lose everything, lose their business and lose their job. And so I think the, and, and, and then that's, that's, that's the, that's the government's trying to keep us as we, the people happy, complacent. But if you think about it from a government perspective as well, if they have a recession and then we go into some sort of deflation, that could be the end of the governments as we know it, right? Because all the debt is collateralized. And so then it starts to unwind this debt um, bubble. I'm not going to go through all that right now. I've talked about it extensively. Um, but if they're forced to choose between the people, do we want to give them inflation or deflation? But if, if they're forced to choose for themselves, do we allow deflation and everything just to fall apart and we go bankrupt? Or do we continue to print money to pay our debts? Of course, they're going to continue to print money every single time. All right. Now, here's what I want to talk about, though. So we're going into recession. So what? So what? Well, as I already said, so what? Maybe your job. So think about your job or your business. Are you like in a recession-proof business or job, or are you um, more at risk from that? So that's one way you need to think about that. But now let's talk about our money, our, our assets. So as I said, in 2020, things really changed. We saw first and foremost that no longer do the economy or no longer does the economy equal the markets. Well, as I said, we saw the entire economies of the world literally shut off with a light switch and yet markets went to new all-time highs. Now, was that an anomaly in the COVID era or is that the way things are now today? And is that the way things are going? Well, maybe some of both. As a matter of fact, what we can see is that the UK and Japan show that markets are going up, not down, after technical recessions. Very interesting. So we have uh, the UK and Japan are slipping into mild um, technical recessions with their GDP releases. 
It's an opportune moment to underscore that while such developments may generate a lot of headlines, they have no forward-looking information content for investors. That's a key piece. They have no forward-looking information. You see, markets are what we call um, future discounting. We're basically trying to buy something cheaper today than it's worth in the future. So we're not buying something for how much it's worth today. We're buying for something for how much we think it will be worth in the future. So we have to be forward-looking. And what happens is some of these data, we have lagging indicators and we have lean indicators. So GDP is a lagging indicator. GDP tells us what happened in the past, but we're trying to guess on where things will be in the future. And so what they're saying here is these GDP releases, they have no forward-looking information for us. Technical recessions typically precede rising asset returns. It's pretty weird. It's the opposite of what, mo what most people think. But as we can see, both of these countries going into recessions, we can see this playing out in real time. Why is this the case? Well, there's two main problems with this categorization. One, when we look at just the recession and the GDP, it's overly simplistic, okay? When we look at like Japan, like I said, it was like 0.1% or 2%. There's little to no difference between an economy that contracts at 0%, 0.2%, one quarter, and is flat the next, which would be no recession, or one that sees growth fall by 0.1% for two quarters in a row, which would be a recession. You see what I'm saying? So technically, a technical recession, what's the difference? If I get 0.2% one year and one quarter and the next quarter it's flat, or 0.1% both, right? So that's what I'm talking about. It's overly simplistic. Second of all, which is why probably why the Biden administration said that's not technically the recession. We need to look at more data than that. Second is because, like I said, GDP is a lagging indicator. It's telling us where the economy was, not where the economy is going, but the markets are trying to predict the future. They're forward looking. And so us as investors, we need to focus our energies on leading indicators of the economy rather than GDP, which is again, a lagging indicator. Some information content can be gained by, by, by looking at, by trying to discern, by gauging the composition of the growth, but there's nothing in a GDP report that will give us any indication of an approaching uh, turning point when markets typically see the biggest moves. When it comes to the UK, leading indicators are rising. So what are those? I'm going to come back with those in a minute. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the leading indicators that show it's rising. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. Welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how the major economies of the world are all slipping into recession. But yet, surprise, 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 the markets are making highs, which is pretty interesting. So we're talking about why... Um, looking at uh, the GDP and stuff are lagging indicators, and it doesn't tell us what's happening in the future. And so that's one of the reasons why we see that it's going down, but markets are going up because it told us what already happened, but the markets are telling us what is going to happen. So in order to better understand that, we're trying to look for leading indicators, not lagging indicators. And when it comes to the UK, leading indicators are rising, suggesting the worst could have already passed for the economy. That's what people are saying. I mean, that's that's what the market's telling us anyway. They're saying it's already happened. It's similar, same thing in Japan. The yen and the JGB yields fall in the shorter term. Then when that happens, the Nikkei, which is their index, their stock index, treads water in the short term after the technical recession. But after 12 months, it returns an average of 10.7%. That's what we've seen. Pretty good. Now, again, back in the U.S., the U.S. is nowhere near a technical recession at the moment, but same, we're also the average mean positive returns after. Um, we can see that after a recession, we see that um, we see big returns over the next three to 12 months historically. So what we see is technical recessions generate a lot of heat, but not much light. There's sometimes, oftentimes, most times just a distraction for us as investors. So we can see, um, again, back to the United States, we had a technical recession, then the Biden administration told us it wasn't, but then markets rallied at one of the best years that we've had in decades. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And so the recession in the UK, the EU and Japan could already be over because it's lagging indicators and the markets are giving us those forward looking indicators. Now, some other things that we can pick up from Japan is, is like I said, because it's forward looking, it sort of tells us what's going to happen. And so Japan had been wanting to, and, and the ECB and the Fed as well, been wanting to, again, fighting inflation, wanted to raise rates. Japan specifically wanted to get out of this um, negative interest rate policy that they've had. But going into the recession right now, EU, UK, JGB, potentially the U.S., Going into that recession shows us that there's no way they can tighten that market back up. And most of these countries, ECB, US, et cetera, are going to have to start easing. And that's what the markets are picking up on. You see, you have to understand the causal, the cause and effect mechanism here. If we go into recession, then the feds will ease. And so what the markets are saying, well, okay, we get the recession, but that's what happened um, last quarter. Now we understand because of that, the central banks will have to ease. And so we now expect an expansion. So we're going to bid the stocks up, right? That's what we're talking about. So like back to Japan, the Nikkei index more than doubled from the COVID lows, and it's about to breach its all-time bubble highs that were set in the in back in 1989. So the Nikkei index is making a new high that hasn't been set for multiple decades. And it's right after Japan technically entered a recession. 
You see what we're talking about here? So the recession happened, but what's happening next, the markets are trying to tell us, at least what they think. Now, it's anybody's guess. None of us have a crystal ball, but people are putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and that's exactly what the markets are saying. And so it's confirming uh, that only central banks matter in a world where the economy clearly does not. Back to 2020, the entire economy was turned off like a light switch all across the globe simultaneously at the same time. The economy, the jobs, the businesses, but yet the markets screamed to all new time highs. And so what that means is that the money printers override real businesses. Now, this is fake. It's artificial. It's non-sustainable. And it only leads to uh, pain, death, and destruction eventually. But for now, in the short term, this is what matters, which is why we focus on the central bank policy. We focus on, are their policies going to be tight? Are they going to be loose? What will they do? And we try to understand the leading indicators that show us what they'll have to do. So for example, this is this is exactly what we're talking about. The central banks say they want to tighten, but given the fact that economies are going into recession, they can't. And so we can start to front run them. We can start to guess where they're going to go based off of understanding these natural constraints. And rather than trying to spend all our time focusing on what the economy is doing, really what we're understanding is it's the central banks that matter the most. That makes sense? It's why um, I talked about uh, probably the, the greatest investor in I don't want to say he's the greatest. He's he's one of the greatest investors in history. I don't know. I don't. I don't know totally. But he went forty years without a loss in a twenty billion dollar portfolio. Forty years without a loss and averaged a thirty percent return. Uh, arguably one of the greatest ever. I'm talking about Stanley Druckenmiller. He worked under George Soros, and um, I mean he's, he's just a legend. But what we saw is that. Oh, there's a, there was a book written, New Money Wizards, New Market Wizards. And he talked about how when he first started his career, he went and did all this research into um, these stocks and these companies and looked at all the fundamental analysis and he looked at um, you know the earnings and the profits and all these things. And he took it to the fund manager and they said, this is, this is all garbage. None of this matters to us. And he's like, what? What do you mean none of this matters? He said, go find out the real thing that drives prices up and down. And Stanley Drucker Miller was kind of confused. He said, what do you mean? Go find out the real thing. I I thought I did. So he went back to the drawing board. And what he concluded was that none of those fundamentals matter. What really matters is the liquidity. That's what matters. And liquidity is supplied by the central banks. They're the ones that change the price of money. They're the ones that add money, whatever. And so um, it's basically what led to his success for 30 or 40 years. And it's the same playbook that we can, and we're seeing it front and foremost right here. Japan, EU, UK, and now potentially the US slipping into recession while markets are screaming to new all-time highs. It's pretty incredible. And again, we're seeing it in the US as well. Now, the US is not technically in a recession, but growth has slowed way down, and everyone's afraid that we're going to go into recession at any moment. And But we can see that Wall Street is at its highest level ever. The S&P 500 is breaking new levels. We see that we have higher retail sales um, and and markets are going up. U.S. stocks closed higher on Thursday as retail sales data declined more than expected. So the sales data went down, meaning the economy is not doing good, meaning we could be slipping into recession, but stocks went up. Huh. How does that work? Wait, so 
sales of businesses went down, but the stocks went up. Are you starting to understand? Are you starting to understand why? Well, because then we understand what comes next. If retail sales go down, that means the economy is slowing down. That means a recession is coming. If that happens, then what? So you have to ask yourself second, third, fourth, fifth order. Then what? Well, then the Federal Reserve will start cutting interest rates in coming months. You see? And this is what stocks are starting to price for. A Commerce Department report showed U.S. retail sales dropped 0.8% in January. So, you know, things are slowing down pretty bad. Investors are cheering the fact that we got a weaker than anticipated retail report. Why are investors cheering that? Why do they want a weaker than anticipated retail report? Well, because if the retail report was stronger than anticipated, then the Fed would push off the pivot. They'd push off the rate decreases. But because it was weaker than expected, the, the investors are cheering it because they want that to come. It says uh, it shows that maybe the economy might be a little weak. And so that's sort of bad news. That's potentially good news. <laughs> Good news, bad news. It's good. It's it's bad news that the economy is getting weak, but it's good news because it means the Fed is more likely to cut rates," said Thomas Martin, senior portfolio manager at Globalt. So this is this is where we're at. You have to understand what is the problem I'm afraid of. What am I trying to protect myself from in a recession? Is my job? Is my business at risk? What can I do to shore that up? And then what should I expect with my investments? Understand those are two separate things and have to be addressed and managed separately. I know this is weird. I know this is a new world. But as Einstein said, the answers have changed. The way the central banks and the politicians and the governments interact in the markets changed in 2008. It changed again in 2020. And we are a new paradigm. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the way the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And that's what I got for today. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.